Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And I'm so glad that you are here today. Praise the Lord. I have a testimony that just came in and I want to read that to you. You know, last week we were looking at the fascinating biblical subject of God's favor upon your life. And I received this testimony from Brother Keith, one of our online church members. And this is what he said. And as I read this, I want you to be trusting God that his favor, God's favor is resting on your life as well for, for miracles. Now, Brother Keith said, good morning, Pastor Stephen. I just wanted to let you know that God's favor is pouring out on me during this time period that I've been prepping for with the upcoming surgeries. Now he heard me teach this just last week, and this is his testimony. He said, I recently received word that the hospital has paid all of my outstanding hospital bills, and they have been marked paid in full. That's $42,000 of hospital debt. And in addition, they will be paying all of my upcoming visits, including all of the Medicaid coverage. And he said that these surgeries usually run well into the area of $100,000. He goes on to say, I can't describe the feeling of thankfulness and awesomeness of God's presence and goodness and provision that I've experienced through this process. Praise God. Where God's favor is on his life and the hospital paid off all of his past medical debt and has even paid it uh, ahead for him so that with the ongoing treatments, they're going to cover all of it. Praise God. What is that? That is the favor of God. And I believe that God's favor is coming to you for all bills paid, all debts paid off and great blessing and refreshing upon your life. Now, let me read a verse to you from Psalm 65. We're going to receive the tithes and the offerings. Psalm 65 verse nine you visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide their grain for so you have prepared it. Verse 11, you crown the year with your goodness. Now listen to that. God says that he crowns the year with goodness and your paths drip with abundance. They drop on the pastures of the wilderness and the little hills rejoice on every side. My friends, we are in the last month of the year, at least as you're watching this recording in a timely way, we are. I know these get stacked up in a video library. Somebody might be watching this in a different month, but right now we're in the month of December, just going into it. And I believe that God is going to crown your year with his goodness. Praise God. So I want you to be expecting that. And I also want you to sow and give towards that. We just made some really, really good progress in our ministry for the last two and a half years. We have been moving the pure gold television ministry forward and forward. And God has been uh, increasing it and expanding it, but it got to a point where it was getting so busy with all of the different networks and different TV stations that we realized that we needed outside help, professional help from those that are skilled in this area. 
And I remember that when my wife and I were at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention earlier this year, we were meeting with one of the salesmen from one of these large Christian television networks. And as we were talking, this lady walked by with her assistant. They didn't say anything, but this lady walks by with her assistant. And that salesman looked at me and, my, me and Kelly and said, I'll tell you one thing. That lady right there, she is one tough negotiator. Who is she? She is an agent for those that purchase TV airtime. And so later, Kelly and I said, we're going to find out who that lady is. And we found out who she is, the company, the media company that she works for. She is a spirit-filled believer, and she is now, her company is now representing our ministry when we go to purchase airtime. And so what we were also able to do, since we are now uh, working with them as they're now our agent, and by the way, most of the major television ministers out there, eventually you get to a point, you have to have an agent because you have too much going on. You have different TV channels, different satellite channels, networks, they all require different encoding, different protocol when the videos are sent to them. But this agency takes care of all of that for us, takes a huge burden off of us so that we can focus primarily on our assignment, which is what? Preach and teach the good news of Jesus. Well, anyhow, with this advocate, this woman and her team now, um, you know, like connecting with us to move the Pure Gold program forward, we renegotiated all of our older contracts, every single TV contract that we have, and got them all lowered. Woo, praise God. So we're paying less than we have paid before. But as many of you, I'm sure, would understand, Christian television is a very costly endeavor. It is still the greatest way to mass scale preach the gospel. It's like the Pacific Ocean. It's still the greatest um, means of communicating the gospel to the largest amount of people. But what we had to do in the month of November is that to uh, sign with the new contracts, we have had to pay off all of the previous bills. And normally, let's say like you broadcast in November. At the end of that month is when the bill is due. Well, with our renegotiating the contracts at a better rate and having a new agent in our corner, then what we also have had to do is pay all of the, of the monthly bills up front. Wow. So we got like hit with a double in the month of November. So as we're rolling into December and now in the month of December, the ministry is running low on financial reserves. Matter of fact, we haven't run this low in a long time. Is And the reason why is because we had to double all of the television bills last month so that going forward, everything is now paid in advance month by month, which of course is a much better method. But wow, we felt it last month. So my friends, this last month of the year, I'm believing that God's going to crown your year with goodness. And I would like to give you an opportunity to sow something special along with your tithe into the ministry so that we can put the ministry over, praise God, and, and strengthen the reserves back up and have everything running the way God wants it to. Now, God is getting us through, but I tell you what, we need to hear from you so that we can begin to rebuild back up because we have to really pour in during the month of November to 
not not just get things up to speed because the bills have already been paid on time, but to actually pay all the current ones and then pay all of the other ones in advance. Praise the Lord. So we actually had to like double our TV budget last month. And so your giving here at the end of the month in December will really help us to beef things back up and be positioned to go into the new year with now the greatest structural order that the ministry has ever had. I tell you, we have sat down the leadership team. We have gone over every account. We have gone over every bill, every dollar that goes out because we have many vendors and we have many uh, subcontractors that do skilled positions for us. But everything is checked, double checked, and we have the tightest, most well knit order that the ministry has ever been in before. So we are positioned for growth and strength. And I believe that you are too. So I'm asking you to help put us over this month of December so that we can go into the new year ready to roll. Praise God. And as you give, I'm asking that God will crown your year with his mighty goodness. Praise God. And by the way, some of you made uh, pure gold TV pledges and trust the Lord to help you to be able to get that in before the year is out so that you can complete that pledge because that also helps us to meet these expenses with television bills. Praise God. Thank you for your tithe. Thank you for standing with us and helping us to not only maintain and stay strong, but also to move forward as we have tremendous doors ahead of us. We just have to be very prayerful and walk in wisdom about which ones God would have us go through, but we're in the best strategic position, well-ordered position we've ever been in before. You're talking about streamlined and order. Wow. <laughs> it took a lot of work, but we have got it there. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your giving. Now let me pray over your giving. Heavenly Father, I pray for your people as they're bringing the tithes and offerings in to push the ministry into the overflow. I thank you, Father God, that you're going to crown their year with goodness. And I thank you, Father, they will conclude this year smiling and looking forward with great expectation into the new year that they are now about to move into. Now, Father, we give you praise and glory. Bless your people with your extra more than enough provision. Father, your word says that your paths drip with abundance. Let their path drip with your abundance and crown their year with your goodness in Jesus name. In Jesus name, we pray. Amen. And amen. Now, for those of you that prefer to mail in your tithes, special offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks international PO box 717 Moravian falls, North Carolina. The zip code here is two eight six five four. Now, for many of you, you prefer to go online and bring in your giving through the safe, secure online transaction portal, which is at the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There is a link on the homepage that says give, and it has a red heart on it. You can click that and you can bring your tithes and your offerings even right through that uh, giving link. Praise God. Also, we have projects, which is the orange banner that you can click on. Perhaps you would like to sew something into the pure gold project. You can click on that and help push 
that great expansion and outreach of the ministry forward. Praise God. Glory to the Lord. Father, thank you again for your people. I thank you that you're going to crown their year with your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. The Holy Spirit is actually speaking right now about something special you could do beyond your tithe that would help us to be re-strengthened in the ministry finances. The Holy Spirit is showing you a number that you can give, that you can sow. And as you're obedient, you're going to end this year with a beautiful smile on your face, knowing the goodness of the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Now, let's take our Bibles and jump into today's message. Okay, so let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 John chapter 5, and I want to talk today about something unusual. I want to talk about walking on the mountaintop with God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And I want to give you some spiritual tools to actually do that. Now, we're going to 1 John chapter 5, and we're going to go all the way down to verse 19. And I'm sure that you've noticed that we are living in the end times. Now, how much time do we have left before there is the catching up of the church? I am not sure. No man knows. I personally believe there's going to be a great end time revival, a great end time move of God with mighty power, signs, and wonders poured out so that many can be swept into the kingdom. And then I believe after that, there is the catching up of the saints, as the Apostle Paul mentioned in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and uh, verse 16 in those neighboring verses. So I do believe in that, but at the same time, we can see the signs of the times. We know that we're at the end of the age, and I believe that also corresponds with us digging deeper into the books at the end of the Bible. And the book of Revelation, for, for example, is a book that if you read it, there's going to be a lot that you're not going to understand, at least not immediately, but there is a blessing associated with anyone who reads the book of Revelation. And these are things that we need to study. We need to study first and second and third John, these small epistles, because as we get to the end, we also get to the end of the book and they correspond in so many ways. Now let's pray. Heavenly father, as we jump into your word, we ask that your Holy spirit would illuminate our understanding so that we can know what pleases you. And so that we can walk on the mountaintop with you and be above all of the confusion and distressing situations that those on the earth experience who don't know you. Now, Father, we give you all of the praise. Thank you for this work of your spirit who causes it to stick. And we just thank you that even as Abraham fought off the birds of prey, those vultures tried to come and take the sacrifice. Lord, we just thank you that the Holy Spirit protects the seed right now that's being sown. It will not be stolen by the enemy, by the birds of prey. We thank you for a beautiful harvest of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. And we all say, Amen. Verse 19, we know that we are of God. There's no guesswork about that. There's, there's not a, uh, an area where somebody can talk us out of it because nobody talked us into it. It was a born-again experience. 
We are sealed by the blood of Jesus and the Spirit of God. So we know that we are of God. And the whole world, not just some of it, the entire earth, the whole world, all of the inhabitants upon the earth, the whole world lies under the sway or the influence of who? The wicked one. Who is that? That's the devil. That is Satan, sometimes referred to in Scripture as the prince of the power of the air. And here we see that he is called the wicked one. And he has influence or sway over those who belong to him, over those who do not know God. Now, those who are born again, washed with the blood of Jesus and have their faith and trust in God, we are no longer under the devil's authority. Praise God for that. But, but my friends, we need to understand that we need to stay shielded from this evil influence that is out there in the earth today. And as we walk with the Lord, the Lord will keep our mind in peace and we will be free from all of these various types of fear and even torment that afflict so many people. And if you're not careful, it can even try to permeate into your life. And that's something you want to be aware of so that you stay free from that evil influence. What is this evil influence? It is the spirit of the world that if yielded to, it can actually torment your mind in many different various types of ways. Praise God. My friends, we're going to ascend up the mountain of the Lord today. Let's talk about a few things that we need to uh, move away from. These are things that all of the ancient Israelites, the covenant people of God under the Old Testament system, dealt with and faced, many struggled with. And in, in some ways, it's not like things have changed. Today, we are seeing a revival of what we could call paganism. It's just people that basically are atheists, and so they don't have God in their lives, so they gravitate towards various forms of idolatry, various forms of sin uh, expressed through hedonism, paganism, or whatever it might be. But my friends, we are going to walk with the Lord. Look at this in Amos chapter 4. This is very fascinating. Amos 4, verse 1. Hear this word. Now, before I read this verse, understand that God is speaking to his people. And you can, uh, you can see, how can we say, shadows of this even in the church today amongst some believers even. Hear this word, you cows of Bashan. Have you ever stopped to think who are the cows of Bashan that the prophet is addressing? Hear this word, you cows of Bashan, who are on the mountain of Samaria, who oppress the poor, who crush the needy, who say to your husbands, okay, so these are women that are being referred to here. These are women who say to your husbands, bring wine, let us drink. Well, God had a few things to say through the prophet, through uh, his servant to these women who are actually called in scripture. And remember, these are Israeli women and they are being addressed here as cows of Bashan. Pastor Stephen, what would that, 
what, what would that be referring to? Well, you know, long before this, we had, we had Lot, Abraham's nephew. But Lot, he had his wife, and he had his children, but his wife was just totally caught up in the culture of that time. You could probably I, identify her as what we would call a modern-day socialite, I, a high-level rich hobnobber. And she loved it because her husband had a lot of money. And I'm sure that made her very happy because she only wants to shop at the high-end fashion stores. It's not enough to have a $80 pair of shoes. It has to be an $800 pair of shoes. It's not enough to have, you know, a dress that would cost $200. No, oh no, it's got to cost $2,000 and on and on it goes. So these cows of Bashan were the social elite women of Samaria. And they are the ones that are putting pressure on their Jewish husbands to get them the clothes they want because they're being driven and influenced by the spirit of the world during that time, the spirit of the age during that time. And so they, they're, they're living beyond their means. Even the clothes they have, they're buying it on credit. The, the income that their husband is bringing in, they're consuming it and their shoes and their uh, luxury liner purses are all bought on credit, and God calls them cows of Bashan. Wow. The, and I, I tell you, that spirit of the world, even against Christians, it's wrecked. Watch out. It's wrecked many of marriage. Why? Because sometimes the husband can be on fire for God, but the wife's just not into the things of the Lord, even if she's a Christian. Sometimes it's reversed, and often it is. Usually the woman is trying to be spiritual, but the husband just wants to watch sports and football, or soccer, or whatever it might be. But here, God is addressing the women. What's going on? They have been influenced by the spirit of the world, and all they're into is consumerism. And they want to shop, buy, shop, buy. And they're pressuring their husbands, wearing out their husbands, because they, um, they're just caught up with really what Paul would describe as covetousness. And the Apostle Paul actually said that covetousness is idolatry because you, you are grasping after this thing. It, it has actually consumed your thinking. And you have no interest for God, but you have a lot of interest for this. And it's what you wake up thinking about or going to sleep thinking about. And it is a very, very, uh, very dangerous place to be in, as we certainly saw with Lot's wife. Well, the spirit of the world, it puts people in bondage. How does it do it? Three ways. And you know this. It's through the lust of the eyes, what you're seeing, the lust of the flesh, what you're craving, and also the arrogant, boastful pride of life, of wanting to be seen by others with what you have. Even if those people watching you or seeing you are total strangers <laughs> and you're trying to impress people you don't even know. And they certainly don't love you or care about you, but you want them to see that you have this or you have that or you have this certain level of accomplishment. My friends, your life is not composed of your belongings. That is not your identity. 
Your identity is rooted and grounded in Jesus, the anointed one. That's where life is at, because it's in him that we live and move and have our being. Woo, praise God. Hallelujah. Not all of these other things. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Now, the spirit of the world captures and even torments the minds of some believers so that they're never contented with what God has blessed them with. They're never even really grateful for all of the things they have. Now, there is a way to break that. Praise God. Let's look at this scripture. It's a very sobering scripture, particularly in the nation in which we live and the times of great prosperity that we're in. First Timothy chapter six and verse six. Now godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. You know what? As you're on your way to heaven, you don't want to carry anything out. There's nothing here except for the souls of people that you want to bring along with you to heaven. There's nothing else as far as material things like a tree or rock or car or whatever that you actually would want to take to heaven because it's so inferior. I remember a preacher was standing on a platform one time and he said, Lord, he said, if you come right now in the rapture, he said, let this motorcycle come up with me because there's a motorcycle on the stage and he grabbed the motorcycle. <laughs> How many of you know the motorcycles aren't going? That that's, doesn't mean that God doesn't have fun. It doesn't mean you can't ride a motorcycle when you get to heaven. It's just that in heaven, everything's better. There's, um, there's certainly no carbon uh, O2 emissions, right? There's no, um, there's no oil leaks in heaven or whatever the case might be. Everything is pure and clean and beautiful. And yes, you could still drive around and have things in heaven, but there's these things on earth. You can't, you can't take them. And even if you want it to, or could, they don't belong up there. Praise God, because everything goes to a phenomenal new level as we enter into heaven on that special day. Praise God. So what we need to do is we need to stay free from all of these influences that are in the world that bombard our minds 24 seven, particularly as we are in the holiday season. And you need to, you need to be aware of this walk with the Lord, lest you go out and you start buying everybody Christmas gifts and you give gifts to people that don't even appreciate them, don't value them, but yet you do all of these things. I've seen people do that, but yet they won't give God anything. Why? They're so caught up in what would be sweeping through the world at that moment that they lose sight of what we should be focused on. Praise God. So let's stay free from these waves of evil influence that just permeate throughout the earth, permeate throughout nations, and try to affect people's mentality. Praise God. Now, let's talk just for a moment about being completely free from these evil influencing powers. It begins in the book of Colossians. I would like for you to turn there. And Colossians is still, after all of these years, some of you have heard me say this before, is still my favorite book in the entire Bible. Praise God. But look at this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. It says, He has delivered, that would be God the Father, 
the Father has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed or moved us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. So God has delivered us from the power of darkness, that power, that authority, that Satan just releases the flow through the earth. We have been completely 100% delivered from it through Jesus, the anointed one. Praise God. So you see here that this is actually the new birth experience. So anybody listening to me today, watching me today, that wants to be free from the devil's influence upon the inhabitants of the earth, your number one means of safety and escape is, number one, you must be born again. Because when you are born again, God takes you out of that kingdom of darkness and puts you into the kingdom of His dear Son, that is the Lord Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So you must be born again, because until, now listen, until you are saved, until you are saved, you cannot be safe from the devil's influence, and you cannot be safe from sin. Jesus is the only one who lived his life out on this earth and never once committed a sin. Not only did not commit the act, but also did not commit the thought. Praise God. Well, Pastor Stephen, that's good. But what do we do once we are saved so that we can stay clean and free from things that just sweep people along, along into fanaticism or into foolishness? or into dangerous situations. Think about all the people that were swept into uh, the investing in this large crypto uh, exchange platform that went completely bankrupt, and people were just swept into it. I I've heard up to 2 million investors were swept into it, and they lost everything. What's going on with stuff like that? And you know, we're living in the last days, you know we're living in a nation that has deep, deep moral problems. When they take that CEO and bring him to America, to New York, and he speaks to journalists, and, he said, and after he gets done, now remember, he just caused millions of people to lose, for many of them, their entire life savings. And he comes and gives a little speech, and after he gives a little speech, basically says, I'm sorry, he gets a standing ovation. <laughs> And you're like, hey, that's the guy that just burned 26 or $30 billion of people's money. And he gets a standing ovation. It's called the insanity of the end times. It's the last days, days, D-A-Z-E. And what's going on? The evil influencer, the wicked one himself, just sweeps and blinds the minds of the unbelievers so that they stay in darkness. Watch out. Because as a believer, you certainly don't want that darkness creeping into your life or affecting your mentality. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Now, once you are born again, your way of overcoming temptation or this evil influence that influences the inhabitants of the world, the way to overcome is actually found are you ready for this? It's, it's a mystery, but it's true. It's actually found in the cross of our Lord Jesus 
the anointed one. And I actually want to prove it to you. And I want to, I want to give you some meat, some meat and potatoes today. What I'm going to share with you now is not theory. It's not maybe like my idea. I just want to give to you today what works. <laughs> and uh, other preachers might have other scriptures. They may have other things that, that give them that stability based upon the Word of God that helps them. But I want to give you some things that will stabilize you in these crazy, crazy times that we live in where wicked people actually call good bad, where perverted and twisted and morally deficient people see something uh, evil, but yet they call it good. It's that they're flipping everything. But my friends, I want you to be free, and I want to give you some ammunition. And it's in actually it's in Colossians chapter three. Now, when I was a young man, I memorized completely Colossians chapter three. I could stand up and quote it. I mean, it's not a long chapter. But I realized after a couple of months that although I had committed these verses to memory, I actually didn't quite understand them. So I wasn't really seeing the results I wanted. So what we must do is we must not just read the Word, but we must study the Word. And if we don't have revelation knowledge, that Scripture, even if we have it up here in our heads, if we don't understand its implication, we can't make sense of it, then we can't extract out of it that power and strength that we're looking for. So I want to share a few things with you today that I've learned over the years. And I believe that Colossians chapter 3 will prove to be very beneficial to you as well. These are, these are answers that I was looking for. Excuse me while I get a, a drink of hot tea. These are answers to questions that I was looking for, particularly as a young man, uh, how, how to live pure in a world that's so dirty, how to live clean in a world that's so compromised, how to honor the Lord in a nation where bribery and cheating and defrauding others seems to be the name of the game. My friends, when you walk with the Lord, you're going to come out on top. So let's dig into this. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, and you were through the death, burial, and resurrection. When, when, when you were born again, your old man died. Praise God. And you were raised with Christ. When Jesus was raised from the dead 2,000 years ago, God the Father in His mind saw you being raised with Him. And when Jesus was lifted and seated on high through the ascension, Ephesians chapter 2 says that we were also raised with Him. Okay? Now watch this. If then you were raised with Christ, and I know as a believer you have been, seek those things which are above, where Christ the Anointed One is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ, the Anointed One, in God. When the Anointed One, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. All right, verse 5. Let's jump into this, and I want to show you how to 
keep this thing that's in the earth, the spirit of the world, the work of the wicked one that influences the inhabitants of the earth. I want to show you how it cannot touch you and you can stay protected from it. Verse five, the apostle Paul says, therefore, in other words, therefore, because of what we just saw in the previous verses, therefore put to death. Now you may want to underline this statement, put to death, because I'm going to show you some things now over the next few verses that you're going to be amazed at God's precision. When the Holy Spirit anointed Paul, when he inspired Paul to write this epistle to the church there in Colossae, the Spirit's anointing is so precise, it's actually amazing. It's like God's mathematical precision. It's God's genius mind being expressed through the words that Paul is using, and they're used very intentional. And if you just read through it quickly, you won't catch it. But let's see if we can grab some things. Therefore, put to death. Please underline the phrase, put to death, your members which are on the earth. And then he goes to list one, two, three, four, five very strong manifestations of the flesh that you have to deal with. We'll come back to them in just a moment. So Paul says concerning those, put them to death. Verse 6, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. Okay, now watch verse 8. But now you yourselves are to put off. Please underline the words, put off. Okay, so put off all these. And he gives a list of things to put off. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Now this is fascinating. Verse 5, we have a list of things to put to death. Verse 8, we have a list of things to put off. And verse 12, we have a list of things to, guess what? Put on. Now, if you can just understand those three statements, you'll know how to walk on the mountaintop peak with God. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> but remember, so many of these things, it's like God conceals them in a, in a mystery where you have to have spiritual understanding in order to step into them. Okay. So here they are. Verse 5, you have to put to death some things. Verse 8, you have to put off some things. And verse 12, you have to put on some things. All right, now let's go back to verse 5. Therefore put to death, what? Your members which are on the earth, and here they are, fornication. Notice that it starts with this area of sexuality. Why? Because for most humans, this is an area of drive that we all have, and it's an area that if not kept in place, can very, very quickly run out of bounds. And Paul knew this, and this comes first. Fornication, by the way, that's sexual relations outside of marriage. Next, he, he lists uncleanness. Uncleanness in the Greek carries the meaning of sexual impurity, sexual uncleanness. This could be areas of, of touching yourself. This could be areas of, you know, like what we would call sexually stimulating yourself. 
but it can also be areas of uncleanness where you wonder why some people don't wear deodorant. I asked a young man one time, a Christian, because uh, he smelt horrible. So, uh, I mean, he stunk terrible. And I said, hey, um, I said, I've got a couple of things of brand new deodorant. I had actually bought some deodorant. I, I only like a certain kind, I like the jail kind. I don't like the white chalky stuff. But uh, I had a few extra brand new things where somebody had given me some of the white chalky stuff. I said, hey, I've got some brand new things of deodorant, and I don't need them. Would you like those? I can just give them to you. And I wasn't trying to drop a hint. But he goes, oh, no. He says, I don't wear deodorant. He said, it doesn't, it doesn't work well with me. He said, I'm like, he said I, it makes me, uh, you know, uh, he said, I just like being natural. Well, what's going on? Well, besides the fact that he stunk like a pig, uh, what's going on? Because I can see it in other areas because of the prophetic grace of God in my life. I, he has uncleanness. So it, it can travel over into these different areas. And you wonder, how come that person doesn't take a bath or a shower? There's something unclean going on there. Okay. So put to death. These are things we have to put to death. Number one, fornication, then uncleanness and passion. This passion, these real strong cravings that can just woo, try to sweep over your flesh. We have to put that to death. Evil desire. Things that are out of bounds that God said no on. Okay. And also covetousness, which again, here Paul says is idolatry. And there is tremendous covetousness in the nation in which we live. And it's actually celebrated in our culture. But yet, Paul says it's idolatry. Now, you may not be bowing down before golden calf, but if there is this covetousness, this grasping and reaching, say, for example, after money, that's something that has to put, be put to death. Now, the others in verse 8 are different. Well, why, Pastor Stephen, aren't they all the same? No. And this is the mathematical genius precision of God expressed through the Holy Spirit, touching the mind of Paul to write these things. Now verse 8, but now you yourselves are to put off all these. All right, there is a difference between putting these big five to death as compared to putting off these that he's about to list. What's the difference? Well, put off. Okay, before I came in here to record this message, it's pretty cold outside right now. So what did I do? I took off my coat. I took it off. How long did it take me? Oh, I don't know, maybe five seconds. So in five seconds, I made a decision to put off that coat. And here's a revelation. Everything in this group, it's a totally different category of sins. Everything in this group, you could actually put it off just as fast as you put off your shoes. Isn't that amazing? Here they are. Anger. Pastor Stephen, I have an anger problem. Put it off. Put it off. You can put that off with a committed decision just like that. And it'll stick for the rest of your life if you make that decision to put it off. You can. Put off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. You may be a Christian that from time to time you use profanity. <laughs> Maybe you just let it. Uh, or actually, maybe you've actually gotten comfortable with saying some pretty dirty words. You know that right now you can put that off and you can make a decision right now that you'll never speak uh, profanity 
and you could stop it right now. You could actually put that off just as easy as taking a garment off. And when Paul says put off in the Greek, that's actually what that meant. It's referring to how in their day and time they would put off a coat or just take off a garment, sit it over there, and you're done with it. So let's make sure we do that. Put off all these. What? Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. By the way, blasphemy. Don't ever say the name Jesus like that. You know, somebody hits their finger with a hammer. They say, Jesus. I've seen a lot of Christians do that. It's actually a form of blaspheming the holy name of God. And don't, don't see how close you can come to it because some people, they may not use a profane word, but they'll say something like D-A-N-G. You know what I'm saying? D-A-N-G it. Or they'll maybe throw something else in there, but it's borderline uh, using the Lord's name. So be very, very careful about that. But those are things you can just put off. Just like taking a pair of shoes off or taking your shirt off or outer garment off. And it, you don't have to deal with that once you make that commitment. Praise God. Now, of course, if you're going to put off those things, there's something that God wants you to now wear in replacement of them. And that's where we come now to verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on. Okay, so we're going to put the death. We're going to take off. And now we're going to put on tender mercies. Tender mercies come first. Sometimes I'm in the spirit in the sense that if I'm around a sick person, I can, I can sometimes know what that disease is. And sometimes, sometimes, not all the time, sometimes God will actually start talking to me and tell me why he cannot heal that person. Well, Pastor Stephen, Jesus is God. He can do whatever he wants. No, he can't. Because if he wanted to, and he could, he would save every single person. Of course, he does want to, but he can't. You have to receive him. He's not going to force anybody to get saved. Neither is he going to force anybody to get healed. You have to work with the Holy Spirit. I remember I was standing next to a person one time that, that had a, an incurable disease, and I knew God wanted to heal that person. And that person actually wanted God to heal them. But God spoke to me while I was standing there and showed me the blockage that that person has, and that's why they couldn't receive their healing. Sometimes, sometimes with very few, not most, but with very few, I can share that, and their heart can be tender, and that blockage can be removed. But other times I can't. And it's the Holy Spirit just saying, there's no need to pray, because nothing's going to happen because they have a blockage. And most of the time I cannot share that. Why? Because they're not going to receive it. So here we see first listed the thing that we need to put on is tender what? Tender mercies. You know, mercy comes from God, but God is the one that decides who gets it and who doesn't. And Moses made some blunders. Moses killed a man, but, but yet he received mercy from God and his destiny was still fulfilled. But yet Pharaoh Pharaoh did not receive mercy from God. And even in the New Testament, you see people that made mistakes. And you see Paul or Peter. Uh, Peter made a mistake and was corrected by Paul. But yet Ananias and Sapphira, they made a mistake and dropped dead. And no mercy. So God is the one 
that is the decider of who gets mercy and who doesn't. But I would say if you don't know, always lean on the side of extending mercy as much as possible to other people. Put on tender mercies. It's actually one of the highest qualities of God that even with the mercy seat that covered the Ark of the Covenant, that mercy seat was a solid block of gold, and it had two angels that were on uh, each end of it. And I believe those, those two angels are representative of Michael and Gabriel, both archangels. Why? Because when the rebellion in heaven took place, you have to understand how strong that pull of Lucifer was. And Lucifer pulled one-third. He somehow got one-third of the angels in this most perfect place of heaven. He got them to listen to him and follow him. So the rebellion was very strong. And that rebellion swept one-third of the angels away. But yet you had those that stayed. What happened? They understood the mercy of God. And it was that mercy that kept them from getting swept away. And that's why you have the two angels looking at the mercy seat, just realizing, God, thank you for your mercy, because it was your mercy that stabilized us when others were destroyed and were swept away. Praise God. So you want to make sure that you put on, please say that, say put on tender mercies. I actually had the Lord tell me one time, I was standing next to a person that was sick and they wanted me to pray for them. They were telling me their situation and the Lord actually spoke to me and said, I cannot heal that person. They do not show mercy to others. And when the, when the Lord told me that I just had like a flash and I said, Lord, is that ever, I, you know, I'm having like a silent talk with the Lord heart to heart. And I said, my God, is that ever true? Because that person was real hard, real hard on his wife, real hard on his children. Wouldn't show any mercy or compassion when his children had made a mistake, but would very roughly rebuke them and correct them. And I thought, Lord, he's a rough man. And the Lord said, he doesn't show mercy. That's his blockage. That's what's blocking him from receiving healing. So let's put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. By the way, that word long-suffering in the Greek is always associated with dealing with people that are difficult to deal with. So it's not talking about long-suffering from having like a knee pain for 10 years. Well, Lord, I'm putting up with it. That's not what that's talking about. Long-suffering is dealing with people that maybe. They're just, um, they, maybe they rub you the wrong way. Maybe they do it on purpose because they get a kick out of that or they try to, you know. So we need to walk in long suffering, praise God, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as the anointed one forgave you, so also you must do. So that's what we need to put on. So we're going to put off the bad yucky stuff, and this is what we're going to put on. But my friends, let me jump back now to verse 5. Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth. And by the way, your members that are on the earth, that is what this evil wave of influence that Satan sends throughout nations, sends throughout the earth, 
That's what he, that these are the areas that he tries to hit you in. So if you get this one down really good, then the others, they go a lot quicker. Why? Because verse five takes longer. Verse eight, those things you put off, make one decision. You can start walking in that verse 12. These things you put on, I can put my coat on in 10 seconds. Praise God. Those things you make a decision to walk in verse five, though, I have found over the years, this is the great area of struggle for many believers. Let's go further with this. Therefore put to death your members, which are on the earth. Now, all five things that are listed here are very, very strong desires or passions that can work against the believer. But how is the question, how do you put him to death? And that's when I was a young man, I couldn't figure it out. I could quote the whole chapter. <laughs> I actually did it in front of the church one time. The pastor was real proud of me, <laughs> but I, I couldn't figure out how to put to death the members so that these things, uh, you, you don't feel the heat of these temptations. So let's talk about that today. Praise to praise the Lord. Now, how do you put them to death? There's two ways. Okay. You ready for this? Number one, I want you to visualize taking a tourniquet and wrapping it around your arm and wrapping that tourniquet super tight. Let's say there's heavy bleeding. Okay. Uh, if there's heavy bleeding, a medical person is going to put a tourniquet on you to stop that blood flow. Okay. So what happens if you cut off, if you cut off the circulation, this arm is going to die. Now you can put that tourniquet on there for a little bit to stop the bleeding, but you don't want to leave it on there too long. Your arm will start to turn blue. Your arm will start, start to go numb and you can kill the entire arm. Why you're cutting off oxygen to it. Uh, you can also starve it. You can cut off food to it. So the number way, number one way that you get into this area of putting to death, the members is by cutting it off. Praise the Lord. Number two, don't exercise it because if you stop exercising every, have you ever seen a person's maybe leg or arm, maybe it was broken and they had to have a cast put on, but six weeks or three months later, when the cast is taken off, what has happened to that limb because they did not exercise it? You'll notice that it's atrophied. It's shrunk. Why? The muscles have gotten really small. Why? You weren't exercising them. Okay. So this is what we need to do. Cut off anything that is feeding the supply of that flesh nature, trying to get a response or a stimulus, cut it off. And number two, don't exercise it. Now the world is going to want to feed it. When I say the world, I'm talking about the world system that is run by the devil himself. It is going to want to feed this area of your life. How does it, how does the world try to feed it to you? Number one, through your five physical senses, what you see, that's a big one. What you hear, uh, what you touch, what you, and, and on and on it goes to throughout the whole five senses. And also the enemy is going to try to target your mind with what you think about. So stay away, stay away from those things that would stimulate sin 
in your life. Stay away from them. Don't, don't feed it. Stay away from those things. Starve it out, and it'll begin to die off. Now it says put to death. The others are just put off and put on. That's going to be a lot quicker. But I'm telling you what, you're going to have a fight with these. That's why it says put to death. And this, my friends, is a reference to the crucifixion experience. Now, now follow me very, very carefully. If you follow me carefully and apply this, you're going to end up on the mountaintop walking with God. Woo! Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And you won't be down there with the others that are engulfed with fear, that are engulfed with whatever the world is feeding their minds and all of the phobias that that produces. No, you'll be rock solid. Praise God. And you'll be going from victory to victory in the Lord Jesus. Okay. So this is how this works. Therefore, put to death your members. This is a putting to death. How? The same way Jesus died. The closer you get in your walk with the Lord, the more he allows you to identify with his life. And a big part of his life was that climax of his death. Where? How? Upon the cruel cross there in Jerusalem, just outside of the city. And he died through crucifixion. And in our lives, this process is very, very similar. No, I don't expect to see you on a cross with nails through your wrist and uh, nails through your feet hanging on a cross outside of any city. I don't expect to see you doing that. But the death dying process is very, very similar. Now look again at verse 5. And as we look at these five things that we're supposed to die to, ask yourself this question. If you were hanging on the cross, just like Jesus did, blood dripping down in phenomenal pain and suffering and agony, would you be interested in fornication? Would you even be thinking about it? No. Why? Why, why not? You're dying. You are in the death throes of agony. And you're dying. And that has no meaning to you right now. What about uncleanness? No. What about passion? I'll tell you all the passion is out the window when you're nailed to the cross. What about evil desires? No. You're ready to go to heaven because you're dying. What about covetousness? It has no meaning. The craving after all of those things looks so stupid when you're hanging on the cross, dripping with blood, dying. So, in the ancient times, 2,000 years ago, when the Romans crucified people, the crucifixion, often, it was not unusual, that it went on for days, for days, a person hanging there, slowly, slowly dying. Pastor Stephen, are you, going to, are you telling me that it takes weeks for me to stop fornicating? No, that's not what I'm saying. You can stop right now, but perhaps a desire or an impulse to covetousness or an evil desire or something about uncleanness that, that, you know, a little dirty habit that you might have. I'm saying you may not even be doing those things, but that, that stuff can bug you my friends. But as you die and let that process work, it'll all leave you. It'll all leave you. It's the crucifixion experience in the modern day life of the believer 
that wants to walk pleasing to the Lord. Is it a fight? You better believe it. Do you think anybody wants to get crucified? Oh, yeah, just go ahead. Drive that in there. Yeah, this feels good. No, there's like, hey, you're about to kill me. And so there is the flesh nature that begins to die. It could be a struggle. Woo! But there is, there is peace coming that as you allow the crucifixion work of the cross to be re- that power of the cross to be released in your life. I'm telling you, that's where the real living is actually at. <laughs> Pastor Stephen, are you telling me I can't really live until I die? That's exactly what I'm telling you. Because Jesus said, if you keep your life, your self life, you'll lose the life that God has for you. But if you're willing to lose your life, you'll find the life that God has for you. So as you let that impure passion does uh, die, as you let uncleanness die out, as you put to death covetousness, as you go through that death process, you actually begin to enter into the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Pastor Stephen, where, where does this take us to? Where, if I go through this, where am I going to end up like popping out at? I'll show you exactly where the Holy Spirit will take you to. Are you ready? Because I'm going to take you right now. I'm going to take you to the top of the mountain. Woo! Praise God. If you'll let this work in your life, by the way, which every believer should, if you'll let this work in your life, get real serious about it, you will end up at the top of the mountain. This is where you're going to go to. And it's in Galatians chapter 2. Are you ready? Can I show you where you'll end up at? Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And Paul, now watch this. You've read it before. You've heard it before, but watch this. Paul actually said this, and he knew it was true in his life. He's not just saying some kind of religious thing, or let's make a song out of this, or let's make this like a, you know, like a Christian banner. No, he actually arrived in this place and was living in this. And you can too. Here it is, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul said, I have been crucified with the anointed one. In other words, he said, I have been put to death. How? Crucifixion. Crucifixion. Hanging there until all of that yucky stuff dies out. And then you get into the life of God. And he said, I have been crucified. Not, he didn't just say I've died. He said, I have been crucified. With who? The anointed one. It is no longer I who live, but the anointed one lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, because look, we all are still living in the flesh, right? But he's saying the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Woo, praise the Lord. Glory. Glory. You know, I was listening to a great man of God. True prophet, actually, let me see if I can share this. i gotta, I got to code this a little bit. Years back, I had a, a, an encounter where I was seeking the Lord in a way of getting real close to Him. And I came across a minister. And this minister was actually told by Jesus who the top five men on the earth walking with Him were. Can you believe that? 
And oh, by the way, that, that changes as some of them pass off the scene, live their lives out and die. Anyhow, Jesus in a vision told this one minister, a prophet also, who the top five in the world that were closest to him. And in that top five, he, he mentioned this prophet. By the way, this prophet lived in America. He died a few years back. But this prophet had an unusual walk with the Lord that was very close to the Lord. Okay, so this man who had this very close walk with the Lord one time said that the Lord challenged him on an area in his life that was not surrendered fully to the Lord. Now verbally this minister could say, God, I give you all, God, I surrender. But there was one area of his life, even as developed as his walk with God was, this one area was he just could not relinquish this one area of trust in his own ability in this one area. And the Lord said, I want you to surrender this area of your life to me. And he said, God, this is so hard for me to lay this down. And he said, I, I know I should. But he said, God, this thing is so hard. It was like being crucified. But as the Holy Spirit gave grace, and you're going to need that grace. You're going to have to make your best effort. But even if you make your best effort, Let's say you get your feet nailed to the cross. Let's say while your feet are nailed to the cross, you grab the hammer, you get another nail, and you somehow hammer your other arm in. You, in a sense, can't really crucify yourself. You are going to need the help of the Holy Spirit to go through this dying process, just like Jesus went through it. Praise the Lord. But this, this prophet said that with the Spirit's help and by great surrender, by making every effort, he finally got to a point where he laid that thing down. And when he laid that thing down, he felt something had shifted in his life. And just a few days later, he said that he was in his office, his church office. He was there by himself, and he was sitting in his chair in front of his desk. He suddenly went into a vision. And in that vision, he saw Jesus of Nazareth. On the cross, being crucified, he actually saw the crucifixion. Jesus on the cross being crucified. Jesus looking out over the people, blood everywhere, just beaten to a pulp. And as, as Jesus was hanging on that cross, this minister said, suddenly, the Spirit of God took me back behind Jesus and took me into Jesus. And the next thing I knew, I was hanging on the cross with him, looking out through his eyes. And he said, as I sat there in the office, he said, the vision lifted. And as I found myself in the office, these words burst up out of my spirit. I have been crucified with Christ. <laughs> and so what happened? But nevertheless, you live. Woo, glory, glory. And the Lord took him into a deeper walk. Wow, that comes through that experience. Lift your hands right now. Father, there are many that want to walk on the mountain peak with you. They actually know it's accessible. They know it's available. But maybe they have pulled back because of the price tag. Maybe they have seen the mockery of a few that walked in it, and they were misunderstood and made fun of. But Father God, I thank you. It is actually the highest level of living this side of heaven. Father, for everyone now that wants to come into the Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, experience. Father, those who have 
put to death, those who have put off, those who have put on, those who take these things very seriously. I thank you they're destined to arrive at the 220 mark. Lift your hands. Father, I pray for your grace to fall upon them now. That as we have a little more time left in this year, I pray that they continue to structure their life in an orderly way that lines up with your order. I thank you that you're taking them to the top of Mount Zion. I thank you, Father God, that I hear you saying it will be worth the struggle. It will be worth it all. Father, I bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Woo. Praise God. Say, Pastor Stephen, I'll see you at the top. Woo! Yes, you will. Glory. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. If you're watching today's message and you don't know Jesus, my friends, you cannot be free from the devil's influence and the sin nature unless you are saved and born again by putting your faith and trust in the Lord. For those of you that want to get your life right with God. And that would be anybody watching me who does not belong to Jesus right now. I want you to pray this prayer after me. And also if there's anybody watching me, perhaps at one time you served the Lord, but you fell away from Jesus and you got tangled up in the filth and the sin of the world. But you said no more. I'm ready to come back today. It is time for you to rededicate your life. And I want you to pray this prayer also. All right, please pray this prayer. Just say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Wash all of my sins away with your precious blood and write my name in your book of life. And Jesus, from this day forward, as you step into my life, lead me and guide me every single day. Jesus, in your name I pray. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. My friends, I invite you to get comfortable with Colossians chapter 3 and Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And as you do, watch how the Holy Spirit will speak to you. You know, I was meditating on Galatians 2, 20 just the other day. And right after I'd closed my Bible, thinking how beautiful that is, I checked the giving in the ministry. And right at that moment, two offerings came in from two totally different ministry partners. And each one was 220, 220, 220. Praise God. Maybe even today, as we're in the last few days of this month, maybe you would like to sow 220 as a sign, as a prophetic offering that you're going to meet the Lord on the mountaintop and walk with Him. And of course, your giving would certainly help us as we move forward in a strong way into the new year. Praise God. I'm smelling myrrh. Jerusalem has been known in scripture as the mountain of myrrh. Myrrh can often symbolize the removal of pride and arrogance, the removal of anything that would be displeasing to the Lord. I smell myrrh right now. It's a very beautiful fragrance, but it's connected to the symbol prophetic meaning of cleansing. Praise God. Glory. Father, we celebrate the Lord's presence here today. Glory. Lift your hands with me for a moment. Just worship the Lord. Glory. 
glory, the Spirit of God is moving. Somebody is being healed of migraine headaches right now. It's like the pressure has been back here and around your head, but a lot of pain back here even now that goes from you. I command that to leave you now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Receive your healing. Woo! Praise God. Amen. Tension, stress is coming out. Praise the Lord. Glory. Now, my friends, let's honor the Lord Jesus. Let's receive Holy Communion. Along with myself, grab, I want you to grab some unleavened bread or a little cracker uh, or whatever you might have that you can use. And grab some grape juice. If you don't have grape juice, grab what you have available. And let's pray over it and bless it. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the bread and the juice. We bless it. And we set this apart as being holy. And we thank you that this is the flesh and the blood of Jesus, our Savior. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise. Father, we give you praise today. Hallelujah. Glory. I want to read a scripture. Praise God. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Now, of course, when I was younger, I used to read that and think, now how come it doesn't say you proclaim his life until he comes? Well, when we partake of communion, we proclaim the Lord's death till he comes again. And as we proclaim his death, you have to understand it's through his death that we have life. When he, when he was buried, we were buried with him in a very spiritual way, but it's true. We were buried with him. We were, he was raised. We were raised with him. Praise God. So as we receive communion, we are proclaiming his death that dying out so that we can experience his life. Praise God. Heavenly father, we thank you for the Lord's body as we receive it. We thank you, father God, for putting on tender mercies and compassion. We just give you praise, Father. Father, I thank you that this week your people are going to meet others that need compassion. And I thank you they're going to be wearing that beautiful garment. And it's going to be the refreshing words that others need. We just give you praise. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. We thank you for the Lord's body and the strength that we receive through it. In Jesus' name. We thank you for the mountaintop walk. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake together. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Father, even as we're commanded, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 and onward, to forgive. Even as you have forgiven us, we forgive anybody, anyone who has sinned against us. And we thank you, Father, that you have forgiven us of all of our sins. We give you praise. We celebrate the blood of Jesus. We proclaim his death until he comes. We thank you that he is alive now and that his life is flowing through us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive together. Praise the Lord. 
My friends, regardless of what's going on in the world today, God wants you to live the high life, walking on the mountaintop with Him. I would highly recommend that in order to expedite the dying process, to expedite the putting off process, I would highly recommend that you dial down a lot of the news, a lot of the rhetoric, a lot of the fear, a lot of the worldly voices that clamor for your attention and just dial all of that out. Let God speak to you. Let God refresh you. You know, the enemy and many big tech companies that uh, are happy to oblige the evil agenda. They want you addicted to social media. They want you addicted to uh, devices like smartphones or they, they just want you addicted. They want you like to be like hooked up mentally with your like they would take wires and hook your brain to it if they could and hook you into their system. But no, no. Allow the Holy Spirit to help you. And that's also part of that dying process that those things die off because many people they're addicted. They're actually addicted to social media and they can't stop. What does that do? It feeds it. It feeds what you're consuming and looking at is feeding all of that stuff that would stir up stimulation to do things that are not pleasing to the Lord. Praise God. So allow the Holy Spirit to help you in these areas. Amen. And I'll see you on the mountaintop. Now, Heavenly Father, bless your people. I thank you that their year is going to end with the crowning of your glory and your smile upon them. Bless them, Father. Father, those that are sowing special offerings into the ministry, perhaps even the 220 offering, which I would encourage them to do. Father, I just thank you for their giving, and I pray you multiply their seed back to them with a beautiful wrap-up of this year, positioned for the great things that you have for them in the coming year. Now, Father, we thank you, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for watching. Thank you for being a blessing to the ministry. Thank you for your special offering. And I'll see you back again real soon.